This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 75, recorded October 26th, 2011. The Church, Pro-Science. Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Um... You want to talk about weather or not? How's Father? the weather down there in Sioux Falls, Dr. Oh, Bergwald? thanks, Father. Okay, so it's a yes. Uh, a cloudy, overcast, it's fall. The end. The end. It's, it's, it's raking weather. Uh, it's raking weather. Or this year we're going to mulch. No raking this year, just mulching. <laughs> the lazy So, so uh, yeah, we're, going right to, off. Uh, we're going to mulch. You have to mow it more that way, actually. And to be honest, we have, uh, for the last several years, we've had, well, our kids, but then a group of kids that we know, they come and their service project is to rake up our leaves. So this is actually going to require more work of me than in the past. But that's another story. It's not, the story, go. we're going, it's not the story we're going to tell today. The story we're going to tell is how backwards the church is. Right, Father? How backwards the church is? Yeah. How bass backwards? Uh, I didn't say that. So, uh, Father no. passed on to me a very interesting news story. Father passed on? He died? <laughs> Father Dickinson emailed a news story to me uh, from <laughs> that, that I hadn't caught sight of, so I was appreciative to him for that, but very interesting story. Um, last Thursday, October 20th, the, um, the Los Angeles Times, the newspaper, um, had a, a story, and this is the title, Vatican Signs Deal to Collaborate on Adult Stem Cell Research. So the Holy See, and, and, and we're not really sure exactly um, if it's the Pontifical Council for Culture who's involved in this, or some other one of the the um, the Vatican offices, but regardless of which office it is, um, the Holy See is giving one million dollars um, to one million. That's that's with six zeros. Um, one million dollars. No M with an M. M with an M. Million with an M. Um, million dollars to. Uh, uh, set up a fundraising arm for this company that does research um, on stem cells, on adult stem cells in particular. And this is an issue, Father, it seems to me that this issue has faded a little bit from, you know, uh, public consciousness in the last couple of years. It was probably about five, six years ago, much more prevalent. I remember, um, I think it was the 2004, maybe it was the 2006 elections, uh, a couple of states had, Missouri had a ballot initiative about uh, embryonic stem cell research. Um, there, were, there were all sorts of TV commercials. Michael J. Fox uh, had a, yeah. uh, did a commercial in support. Jim Caviezel um, and some other celebrities had commercials that were, were against the initiatives. But I think it's, it's waned a little bit, but it's still, the, the ethical issue, of course, remains... Um, uh, well, front and center in many ways because there is still research being done on stem cells and in our country, uh, embryonic stem cell research is continuing just as it has. There are some new scientific developments I know over the last couple of years but uh, where adult stem cell research has increased actually um, 
and we can maybe get into those details a little bit later. But uh, it's interesting to me, Father, again, to come back to the point initially from this article, the Holy, the, the, the Holy See is, is, as the article, I think, says, putting the, its money where its mouth is, so to speak, and really, really investing in a concrete and substantial way in the promotion of adult stem cell research. Very much so. The uh, um, and I think like the actual technical thing, as we said, there is a. Uh, it doesn't. It's not going to the uh, um, the nonprofit. Uh, it's not going to the company itself because there's a company involved, uh, NeoStem, New Stem, obviously stem cell NeoStem, uh, which is a for-profit company. The Vatican isn't investing in them. Uh, that publicly traded company. Instead, uh, uh, NeoStem has involved a um, nonprofit called stem for life foundation um and uh and that's and that's the one that uh um uh, who's contributing uh, or that's one that the vatican is contributing to the stem for life foundation and so right they're, um, and, they're not they're not shareholders try out just to make money or something right and you know the, the, their desire is uh, and this is according to a uh, father uh tomas trafni the uh, Vatican, uh, he's the, um, I believe he's the Secretary for the Sciences from the uh, Pontifical Council of Culture. He's uh, in charge of the area involved with the sciences. He says, you know, the, the church's interest in this regard is searching for or what the church likes about uh, Neo-STEM and uh, STEM for Life Foundation is that they're looking not just at profit, but they're looking at cultural impact of their work. Um, so kind of the larger issues of the work they're actually doing. And the second um, is that they have that uh, moral and ethical sensitivity that the Vat that Catholics should have, that the Church as an organization has regarding the source of uh, acquired stem cells. So. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I found that interesting. And, and um, I don't know. I was happy to see that NeoStem is is interested in the science, but but is interested in the science with that. You know the, the the words that you used from from father, um, with a moral and ethical sensitivity to the reality of of what embryonic stem cell research entails. I think the, the interesting thing that I don't know. I mean, I think maybe just to uh, maybe this would be better at the end. But what the heck? We're going to goof up the order of things. In in reading the article from different places, I've reported it. One thing that's never talked about is how this relationship started. You know, is this where something where the Vatican saw this company and approached them? Did this company approach the Vatican? Uh, was there an intermediary involved? You know, a bishop who was aware of the program brought it to the uh, here in the United States, uh, brought it to the attention of uh, the Pontifical Co Council of Culture. What was the uh, the genesis of all this? That would be a, that's actually that is a really good question. I uh, I know that the um, L.A. Times story, the the journalist. Um, Mitchell Landsberg, um, as they often do, he gives his email address at the end, so um, it might be worth, maybe I'll shoot him an email and thank him for the article and see if he has any information in the background how that relationship began. Because you're right, it is, in, it is uh, certainly an interesting question how, how these two entities, the Holy See and Neostem, got to know each other. I have to say, I certainly am a bit skeptical, though, that they would actually invest that, because to them, that really isn't the story. I think... Um, to the LA Times probably, or at least maybe to the editors. Maybe this was part of the story, but it got chopped out. Um, but I think to the LA Times and their editorial board, maybe to uh, Mitchell Landsberg, who knows. Uh, but the real story is, church supports science. 
and a chance to bring up the whole uh, more <laughs> controversial and page-selling issue of stem cells and their sources, whether they are from adult sources or embryonic sources. Right. Yeah. So just to, I mean, I, it, it'd probably be good just to quickly reca- recap, rather, um, the the issue here. The the um, and then we can get into those larger questions of the church and science. The church's position, um, frankly, based on science, and we can talk about that. The church's position opposing embryonic stem cell Not research. Not based on faith, based on science. Yep. Is simply that. Not based on faith, based on science. <laughs> we, we know. Not based on faith, based on science. As a matter of biological fact of embryology, that the human being, the, the, the member of our, each member of our species, Father, you and I, everybody listening to this, began um, as an embryo. It began as as the uh, the the result of the union of a sperm and an ovum. Um, that's a matter of scientific biological fact that the human being comes to exist at that point. Now, the philosophical question, or theological even, um, but certainly at least philosophical, is. Does every human being have dignity? Does every human being have rights? Science can't answer that question. Now, we have a long-standing tradition in our uh, culture, civilization, Western culture, civilization broadly, um, that says, yes, every human being has dignity and has rights. Um, And there have been times throughout history when that's been denied, and and we've always corrected that, uh, almost always at least. Um, So the church's position is simply, listen, we, we can't kill human beings. To, for, for any particularly innocent human beings, but we can't kill human beings to use them for scientific research. And an embryo, even though it doesn't look like, you know, an adult human being is a human being, not because the Bible says no, that, not because the Pope says so, but because science tells us that. It's a, Father, it's not really that complicated, is it? No. It, it's ridiculously simple in some ways. Um, a human person is a human person is a human person. Or as that eminent poet, Dr. Seuss, once said, Indeed. a person is a person no matter how small. No matter how small. And no matter what it looks like. And I think that's just kind of our point here. When, you know, for, uh, furthermore, if I was to say to you, so let's say you doubt that the embryo is a human person. You still don't conclusively know that it's not a human person. Right. It seems like when it comes to something like human life, we should always err on the side of caution. You know, if I said to you, hey, tell you what, um, I've got this building all wired for demolition. I'd just like you to pull the plunger, and I'm pretty sure that we've got most everyone out of there. So just go ahead and push the plunger because I'm sure no one's in there. Just go ahead and blow it up, you know, 500 pounds of dynamite. Um, you know, wouldn't you say, are you sure there's no one in there? You, you walked through it? No, we didn't walk through it, but I'm pretty sure that no one's in there, you know. Yeah, um, you, you'd really want to know that everyone's out of there before you blow up the building. Right. Or the example that I, if I'm driving down the road and I see like a a, 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 a six foot big lump that looks like it could be a human being, but I'm not sure. I don't. I it might it could be, but it might not be. So I'll just drive over it. No, you swerve to avoid hitting what could be a human being. If even if it turns out it wasn't. Um. Yeah, so I, yeah. I even swerve to avoid uh, uh, pheasant hens. There you go. I don't swerve for roosters, though. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> Father, the thing, the thing about this... What are you this, having against tourism here in South Dakota, Dr. Bergwald? I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm uh, never... 
<laughs> my you, sighing you was utterly ignored that, didn't you? I did. My sighing was not in response to your your your, <laughs> your humor. Sorry. Um, to me, this is just indicative of how we're unable to think philosophically or metaphysically. You know, what is the nature of something? What is the essence of something? We tend to be fixated on what does that look like, and then we draw conclusions based on a superficial analysis like appearance. Um, which like fingers or elbows. Yes. Yes. Does this being have fingers or elbows? And if it doesn't, how does it type? Oh wait, no, that's a different issue. Um, it uses nose. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it, it really, it's very simple. I think, no, I think one reason, of, I mean, the whole question of abortion certainly is the elephant in the room here. If we, if we conceded that we can't do embryonic stem cell research because, well, the embryos are, are human beings, then, you know, I think that's certainly a, a major reason why people refuse to acknowledge the biological fact um, because of its repercussions for the issue of abortion. Do you agree, disagree? Well, I think very much so. I mean, it's, 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 it's funny how complicated simple science becomes when other things are at play. Right, right. And so, so that's why the church is opposed to embryonic stem cell research. But she is, as this this uh, generous gift indicates, the church is in no way opposed to embry or adult stem cell research because adult stem cell research does not entail the killing of a, of a human being, uh, as embryonic stem cell research does. Uh, um, and so, the, and and the church and and those who agree with her on this have long, literally for many many years been advocating um, adult stem cell research and and it's working there are therapies that have been developed from adult adult stem cell research that are being employed um, and and thus far there haven't been any from embryonic now that doesn't mean there can't be there won't be but but we do know that there at least has been fruit um, tangible fruit tangible uh, therapies from adult stem cell research I think you had one example in mind father well, I think it's yeah, kind of a, a recent one for at least uh, uh, for American popular culture. Now remembering that nothing is so quickly out of date as the up to date. But uh, American uh, football player Peyton Manning, uh, who's been having neck difficulties and isn't playing football this year, um, he wanted a uh, went to Europe recently to get a, a stem cells treatment for his neck, an adult stem cell. Uh, this is a therapy; it's not a cure. It's aimed at improving the symptoms and improving the quality of life for the patient. Um, so it's not a true uh, cure in that way. Uh, and, but these are stem cell transplants using his own cells. Um, but the interesting thing is he had to go to Europe to do it because uh, they wouldn't uh, do that treatment here in the United States due to some legislative restrictions um, in the United States. Right. Um, and there, there are other things I know the FDA, I can't remember the examples, but you can find it online if you do a, a search, internet search for adult stem cell research therapies. Um, there, are, there are therapies that have been approved by the FDA. There are others that are in the trial process um, that, have been, uh, that have been helpful to people. Um, so it's not, so it, the church's point is not, and we'll get to the broader issue here momentarily, but the church's point is not simply to be opposed to stem cell research because she's against science. The church's point is there are ethical limits to what you can do in the name of science. You can't, I mean, we, we rightly 
um, opposed and 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 um, tried Nazi doctors uh, who did horrible experiments on on uh, Jews and others in the concentration camps. Uh, that was done in the name of science, and yet we rightly are abhorred and are re repelled or. We find repulsive those sorts of research because we know these are human beings, and you you ought not um, experiment on human beings, and that's 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 the basis. That's the common commonality between what the the the, the opposition to Nazi doctors was and the opposition to embryonic stem cell research. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that the mentality is the same on the part of embryonic stem cell researchers. I mean, it's, you're saying these scientists are Nazis. Yeah, no, I'm not. But what, what, but, what's that? What, what law is that on the internet? Yeah, uh, Godwin's law. Yeah. Uh, um, with a certain amount of time, somebody will call the other Nazi, and I'm not doing that. But I'm just, you know, we 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 opposed what the Nazi doctors did because they were. Um, experimenting on human beings, and that's what stem cell research involves, is embryonic stem cell research involves as well. So, on this particular point of stem cell research, is there anything else that you want to add, Father? Or do you want to talk about the broader issues? Oh, I don't think so. I think that's, I think just but going back again, I think just the interesting reality, the fact that we have more uh, therapies and things like that that are developed and uh, functional um, in the uh, uh, in the process or from adult sources than we have anything yet from embryonic. It's interesting in the LA Times article um, just on embryonic stem cells, kind of in general. They interviewed um, back in 2004. There was Proposition 71 in California, which authorized some five billion dollars. They don't mention that amount, but some five billion dollars. Um, to uh, 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 invest in uh, um, embryonic stem cell research, a group called the uh, California Institute for Regenerative Medicines. Um, and it's interesting, they have not really developed anything yet. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the whole thing, we need to free up federal and state monies for embryonic stem cell research and blah, blah, blah. And Yeah, but you're not getting anywhere. And now that doesn't mean, I, you know, but that's the, the church is not opposed to basic to research. That just because embryonic stem cell research isn't develop anything, that once they develop something, oh, then it's okay. Right, right. We must not exactly. think that. No. Yep. Exactly. So, so this does though, as you mentioned, maybe the the larger issue. Oh, look, Vatican not opposed to science. Is this a change? Is this a change in Vatican policy, Father? No. Well, it might be a change in the fact that they're actually investing. Well, no, no, it's not. It's not changed at all because they've invested money before in different ways. Yeah. It's not in uh, this current modern uh, uh, expression of things in the modern uh, market. So, so, contrary to what seems to be popular belief and conventional wisdom, the Catholic Church, at least, uh, is not opposed to science. This blanket statement that often gets made uh, because of this issue and maybe some other issues that the church opposes science. Nothing could be further from the truth or farther, depending on if you're walking or not. Exactly. Um, you know, the, uh, there's a book. The church has always been. 
Go. Please. Go. Name your book. Go. No. Name your book. There's a book, book that I just got recently called The Genesis of Science, how the Christian Middle Ages launched the scientific revolution. Uh, but I'll talk about that. I interrupt you, Father, so please go ahead. Well, I, I was actually going to, going to go to some of that same point, just the reality that um, the very notion of science, that the world is understandable, the world is reasonable, um, the very notion that um, we can discern and know and figure things out is based in some ways or has is owed in a certain sense owes a debt to uh, a Christian worldview in a sense that the world is understandable because it comes from a source that is rational that that God is rational ordered and knowable and so therefore uh, the world that He created is a reflection of Him in that regard and so is rational and knowable organizable uh, and He broke it into those units. And I think also that the world is created, the world is the creature, not the creator, that the world is not God. So nature is, was in a sense desacralized in a positive way, um, and that opened up the possibility for us actually as human beings to investigate and experiment on the world around us to try to better understand that order, that intelligibility that it contains. You know, whereas in other ancient civilizations, um, you know, polytheistic and so on, the the fact that, you know, the tree might be an ancestor or might be a god, um, you know, there's a spirit dwelling, you don't want to cut down the tree because you might offend a god or you might hurt an ancestor or something. Um, whereas the church say, no, the tree is, is created by God. Uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. And then we, therefore, have the freedom within limits to to study and experiment upon it. Right, right. Um, I think the, more, the more important thing, though, is, is just the base fundamental notion, though, that the world is reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's more important, but that's all right. I think it's more important. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I think, the actual, I think the actual occurrence of those who thought, like, the ancestors were their trees, for example, that the world was sacralized, I don't think that, I mean, that sort of pagan view, I don't think is as was as prominent and I mean because there were other streams and other cultures non-christian cultures that didn't identify that that's true that's very true so um, I was just disagreeing to disagree with you I, I'll do that now and then man so so you're saying that uh, uh, they will know we are Christians by our acerbic humor uh, indeed I think that's what Acts says in the uh, the original Greek if you if you read the Greek um, the accident. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I, uh, I was I actually had a recent internet online conversation with somebody um, on Google Plus, Father, uh, about this whole um, the relationship between Christianity and science. Not only the not, so the, the one hand, the point that you're just making, sort of the the, the fundamental um, philosophical points about the order and intelligibility of the universe and the Catholic worldview recognizing that as paving the way for science um but also the point that the church was a patron not just of the arts but of the sciences um that that many of uh, so many of the the founding fathers of, of astronomy were jesuits they were priests um gregor mendel was was the the father of modern genetics he was an augustinian friar um right 
Uh, Kepler was a cleric. Uh, Galileo, despite everything that's built up about uh, his his imprisonment and the trial and so on, he was still a, a man who desired to be a faithful Catholic, and he he he. Um, he, he had been supported by, monetarily, in fact, by, by uh, the papacy at various points in his career. Um, so, you know, we've developed this idea that the church is a, as opposed to science, but the, the opposite is the case in concrete ways in the, in the medieval era, the Renaissance, and the early modern era, era as well. In fact, you the Vatican... The, uh, go ahead, go ahead. The existence of the Vatican Observatory. That's what I was going to say, yep. Yeah, so the, I mean, the, the Vatican has an astronomical observatory, uh, <laughs> and it's not because uh, the Pope's trying to see God up there somewhere. Did you say astronomical, as in like really big, or astronomical as in astronomy? Um, actually, I think both. I think it is okay. really. I think it is really big. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, you know, and one thing I remember, Father, during the, the uh, pontificate of Blessed John Paul II, he would regularly gather science. He, he was particularly fascinated with scientific findings. And so he would um, he'd have uh, annual meetings um, where he'd you know, invite leading scientists in the world to come and, and uh, share with him various findings. Like Stephen Hawking once uh, was invited to take part in one of these meetings. So, um, you know, the, the church... Not just today, but really throughout her history, has never been opposed to science, but has in fact endorsed, approved of, and promoted scientific knowledge. Right, and also you think about the idea too that the church believes that there is one truth. And so the more that we pursue the truth, whether uh, intellectually and rationally or in the realm of faith, there is no contradiction between the two, and actually the two meet and are one. Right. We all, yeah, we believe the same truth comes ultimately from God. All truth, all truth comes from God. Yeah. Um, anything else, Father, on this topic? I don't believe so. Yeah, there are, I mean, the, I've mentioned one book. There are others out there. I mean, send me an email. I, the one I'm thinking of is at home. I can't put my hands on it right now. Um, but there are actually, no, The Victory of Reason by, by uh, the scholar Rodney Stark, The Victory of Reason. He shows how, and, and it's, he's not limited, not limited just to science, but um, <clears throat> much of what we enjoy and approve of in, in um, our country, in, in our modern way of life, traces its roots one way or another <clears throat> to, uh, to the, the church in the medieval period. So there are, there's all sorts of research. I mean, the people who study these things, the historians of science, scientists themselves um, who look back, uh, will, will tell you that the popular, the conventional wisdom is a myth, um, that the church is, is supportive of science, not opposed to science, other than to say, listen, there, there are certain moral realities that we have to be aware of as well. Um, you, you can't just do whatever you want regardless of the human cost. We have to be mindful of that. But nobody would disagree with that principle. Um, so, anyway, that's all I got, Father. That's about all I got, I think. That's all, all I've right. got to say about that. 
That's all I've got to say about that. Well, uh, thank you once again for listening. If you have any questions, uh, Father and I still have to come up with a book that we will discuss next. So if anybody has any ideas about that, feel free to shoot me, an e- shoot me an email, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. Um, other than that, I think we will leave it at that, and I will give Father the last word. Well, for Dr. Chris Bergwald and myself, Father Andrew Dickinson, and all of us here at Prayer Room Companion, we bid you adieu.